Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with executive producer and co-host Mark Griffith. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Excited to be here for another day. Uh, we want to tell you first and foremost how to connect with us. You can go to, of course, thehousinghour.com. You can as well find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, first of all, on Twitter at The Housing Hour. You can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. And you can find Pinterest. Uh, Mark is our big Pinterest star as well. So, Mark, how are you today? Doing great. Doing great. Have a great guest. Excited. Yeah, I am too. And I'll tell you what, there's one thing I will say about... Um, about our guest and that's what we had him at the branch managers conference i guess about a month ago or something and uh we had him come in and i tell you what it was it just it just blew me away it really did it was it was one of those situations where you don't know what to expect because i heard you told me sort of what it was going to be about right but i didn't really have the full understanding until i heard him speak well and, you don't hear about this this adventure mm -hmm. very often in this part of the world mm -hmm. um you hear a lot of other types of things so that's what makes this one so special that's right well let's bring in our guest uh blaine rada is our guest blaine how are you sir i'm terrific how are you how are you gentlemen oh great am i pronouncing your last name right you know, Rada, Rada, Rada. I, I hear all of them, so I kind of, I, I kind of just accept it for what it is. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for spending time with us, and um, you've written a book, and that's what we're going to talk a lot about. And the name of the book is "From Soar to Souls to a Soaring Soul." Uh, From sore souls to a soaring soul. I love that title. That's very unique, and it, it catches your attention very, very quickly. And I love the play on words that you've that you've used. Um, first, before we even jump into the details of what we're going to talk about, because this is a very personal um, experience that you've written about, and it's a lifelong journey that you've been on, and and this is a, a moment, sort of a chapter out of your life that's just really profound in my mind. But before we even jump into the details about this inspirational book that you've written um, along your journey, could you first tell us kind of what your day job is <laughs> and talk a little sure. bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've been in, in one role or another, I've been in the mortgage industry for, gosh, I think 30, 35 years now. Uh -huh. And for probably the last 20 years or so, I've actually been kind of a professional speaker or trainer in the mortgage space primarily. Uh, I work for uh, a mortgage insurance company, Arch Mortgage Insurance, and so our customers are mortgage lenders, and uh, we provide education and information to our customers to help them do more lending and do better lending. And so uh, my day job is, is often in front of a group from you know a small group to a large group, uh, speaking about mortgage-related topics. And, and probably over the last several years, I've started kind of almost creating a, a new niche for myself where I'm really focused primarily on business development and sales, that, that particular part of our industry. Uh, but that's the, that's the world that I live in is, is mortgage lending. It's pretty much been my entire adult life. Yeah, so that's what we do, as you already know. And we have a great partnership with your company and totally appreciate everything that you guys do for us, no doubt. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about before the branch manager 
conference or the, the, the whole the whole reason we had it was because we wanted for the people who were attending to find something that they could take away and hopefully either a new insight, maybe something about the industry or something about the vision of our organization. Um, and then the way that I think we ended it with your talk, it really gave everybody not just an insight on them professionally, but something um, that they could take away personally, something that is really unique to them. And that's what I liked about your talk. And so <clears throat> the movie, The Way, people have seen it. It was a you know great movie. 2011, I believe, is when it came out. Is, is that about right? Something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think around 2010 or 11, yes. So they talk about this this journey, and uh, Camino de Santiago is the is the is the is the journey. Is I guess that's is that the landscape of where it is, or is that the actual journey itself? That's actually the the name of the pilgrimage, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, the road the road to Santiago, basically. So you decided to take this journey yourself, and you know, you have a lot in this book and I'd recommend that people go out and find this and I guess they could find it on Amazon. We'll have the link so that people can go to the housinghour.com. Um, and then we'll share that as again towards the end, but your book really talks about a lot of things leading up to, but also what you experienced and what you learned. Why don't you do us a favor and tell us, I mean, I'm actually already privy to this info, but why did you decide to do this journey? What was the reason that you decided to stop what you were doing for this moment and go? Well, it was something that had been in my mind for a period of time. And, and many of the kind of significant life events that I have done uh, often start that way. They start as an idea. And so I, I probably saw the movie, The Way, and was intrigued and, and just had that thought in the back of my mind that that's a thing that I will perhaps do someday. But, you know, walking 500 miles across a country and taking, you know, a month off of your life to really, truly, con completely disconnect from everything that you normally, you know, would engage in and spend time in it is difficult in and of itself. And so it, it took, you know, several years of kind of just thinking about it in the back of my mind before I decided that now was the time. And even once I decided, you know, now was the time and I booked my flights, you know, to and from Europe, uh, it was, that was still a year before I actually did, did the walk, so to speak. Um, so it, it just kind of uh, was one of those ideas that intrigued me from the very first time I had learned of it. And uh, it just, over time, became a thing that I, that I found a way to work into my life to be able to take this month off uh, to go experience this, uh, this walk across Spain. Now, it's a, it's a physical, uh, I guess, really, it's a physical test. It's a mental test. It's, it's all of the above, and a spiritual ch test. So you're, it's almost like um, if you were thinking of steel or some sort of metal, if you, were, if you think of yourself as a precious metal and you're trying to refine and, and get to what makes you you. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think we're all on that journey for sure. And escaping right. from, now you had to have a cell phone. There, there was certain things because you had mapped out when you would talk with your wife. And, and, you know, there's a lot of that goes into that part of the story. But um, people, I think, would want to know what kind of physical test did, did, were you facing here? Because, I mean, you had ran a half marathon, I think you had said. But, uh, I, I, you know, experiencing long journeys and run, I've done that. And it's, it's not easy. 500 miles? I mean, come on. Sure. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there there really is no way uh, to prepare physically for that. I mean, what I what I did and. and Background-wise, I've done a lot of physical, physically in, endurance types of events, you know, whether it would be long-distance running, et cetera. Um, that has been a part of my past, although, you know, certainly as someone who's now, you know, in his mid-50s and, and not certainly in the shape that I, that I was in when I was younger, uh, it, it was kind of a daunting task to think about walking approximately, you know, 20 miles a day for, you know, 20 some on day, some on days straight without any kind of break or rest in between. So the, the only preparation that I really did was uh, probably a half a dozen weekends leading up to my departure. I went for long walks because walking is not actually something that I, that I tend to do much of. And so I went from anywhere from a 10 to 15 and even a 20 mile walk. And I would, I would do that on consecutive days on the weekend so that my body was a little bit prepared for what it was like to walk a long way and then get up the next day and do it again. And then I eventually, you know, put a pack on my back and, and started weighing it down so that my body would at least get a little bit accustomed to carrying 25 pounds, you know, while you're doing this. Um, but it's definitely a physical, uh, challenge. However, I did it in a much shorter amount of time than any reasonable person would recommend. <laughs> and, well, and that was simply work. because, <laughs> well, it, right. It was simply because I only had so many days. And honestly, yeah. that's one of the reasons why many people don't do the entire thing at once, because you do, if you really are going to do the whole thing, you need to give yourself at least a month. And most people don't have the ability to just disconnect from their life for that long. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was doing the whole thing, which many people don't do at one time. And I was also walking more every day than most people would. So e- even, even that aside, I still think that it definitely is a more physical challenge than I was certainly prepared for. I really... Um, had probably never done anything that was as as difficult physically, and I almost wasn't prepared for that. I I, yeah. I thought it was going to be, you know, when you when you see the movie The Way, they kind of don't show you that part. You know, <laughs> they um, they make it look like it's, you know, they 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 certainly show some adversity in that film and and some things that can happen along the, the route, but they they really don't give you a true indication of how difficult. Um, you know, the trail conditions can be or, or how difficult the walking can be, especially for people that might have any, you know, physical limitations. But having said all that, I saw every kind of human being that you can imagine on the trail from every age to every body size and style to every level of fitness. And so when people come up to me after I've, you know, given a talk and say something like, oh, it sounds so wonderful, but I don't think I could ever do that. I would challenge that thinking because I think almost anybody um, especially with the right mindset, could do this. Now, you might have to just do a part of it, and you might have to do a shorter amount per day than maybe I did. But, mm-hmm. you know, walking walking the trail, no matter how much or how little, is very doable for just about anybody. I love it. Well, this is Blaine Rada. We're actually coming to the first break. So <clears throat> remember where you were, because we're going to continue this conversation. Really a fascinating journey that Blaine took, and he's been kind enough to share this with us. And we're excited to continue this conversation right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
Welcome back into the housing hour. We do have Blaine Rada with us. I really want to know how you pronounce that because I'm thinking of all the three names. But anyway, we. <laughs> so, so I guess the official the official pronunciation would be Rada with a long A. Rada. Okay. All right. I like it. Well, my last name is Ray, and it's spelled R H E A. And it is interesting to hear people pronounce it to say the least. I get quite a few different variations. But with that being said, Blaine has been kind enough to come in and give us a, a really great talk and talk with us. And, and And I think some of his perspective is so profound. And, and one of the cool things about Blaine, I think, is that he's so transparent. He is very transparent. And one of the things that, uh, Blaine, I wanted to ask you is that people associate pilgrimages with a spiritual uh, awakening. I think this one, there's a at the end of this pilgrimage is the the one of the apostles are buried there. I, I, James, maybe you can tell us. But was this a spiritual journey? Was this is why you picked this? Well, that was certainly my intention, and I I I don't really have uh, any kind of formal and specific religious upbringing. So even the word spirit, uh, even the word pilgrimage, to me while I kind of understood on one level what that word meant, I really didn't have a, a good feeling. And so one of the things that I did early on in my preparation was I, I really tried to understand what is a pilgrimage? What is, what is the, uh, what is the purpose? What is, you know, what is the meaning behind the word pilgrimage? And of course there's lots of different ways that people have expressed that over the ages, but the definition that I came to for myself, that was kind of what I carried in my mind along the way was that it was a physical journey with a spiritual intention. And what appealed to me about that was the physical journey part, of course, was, was interesting to me because I've, I've, I've pushed myself physically many times in my life, and those have often been times when I've, I've learned the most about myself. And so for me, one way that I kind of access my spirituality is to engage in physical um, you know, feats, if you will. But the spiritual intention was just as important to me. I wanted to make sure that if I'm going to take a month off from my life, and, and leave my family and my work behind, that this isn't going to be a vacation. You know, I'm, I'm not going to just come back, you know, relaxed and refreshed, that I'm actually going to come back transformed. Um, and, and it didn't have to be in a big way. I mean, I obviously didn't want to walk in the door after being uh, gone for a month and have my family not able to recognize me. <laughs> um, but I wanted in subtle ways to be better. I wanted to be a, a newer, better version of myself. Um, and I certainly feel like, you know, that, that was accomplished. Um, but, but yeah, to me, the, the pilgrimage part, the, the spiritual intention was very, very important. It wasn't just the physicality that I was interested in. Some of the, th some of the titles of the chapters, you know, are very, very profound. All, all roads lead somewhere is one of the chapters. And then also my heart is opening. Um, another chapter for people is we're all related. Uh, sometimes I'm a jerk. These are really in incredible titles because in a lot of ways, what you went through, I think, is almost a introspective analysis of oneself and then try to apply in, in going forward, um, maybe becoming a better version of yourself. And with, with the knowledge of that, I met your wife. It was very lovely to be able to speak with her. She, she I, I know had something happen during your journey, but can you speak to the, re, was it a revisioning or was it a reversioning, I guess, of yourself? Um, you know, probably a little bit of both. 
you know, I, I, the, what happens when you spend so much time alone, especially in a in a natural you know environment where you're surrounded by nature, and even though there are you know literally thousands of people at any given moment that are that are making this journey, I think last year when I when I did this, over 300,000 people had actually walked the Camino, and I don't know if that's you know the entire thing, but they had they had walked a portion of it. Um, even even with all those people about, I had many hours every day of alone time where I would not even see another human being, and and I'm I'm naturally a reflective kind of um, introspective person, and so I I used that time to reflect on my life and um, and to and, and to kind of you know try to learn what the lessons were, especially the lessons that have repeated themselves over and over that maybe I haven't figured out yet. Um, and then you kind of just have everything strip away, you know, I mean, it's like all those outer layers and all those, uh, different roles that we play in life, you know, they all just kind of faded away while I was out there. And so what was left was almost like, you know, the essence of, of me and trying to figure out who that was and, and how would I take what I was learning and the insights I was gaining and then actually apply them back in the normal world, you know, in my normal life, which, which really for me, any, any transformative experience, any, anything like a pilgrimage that somebody embarks on, the real challenge is what to do when you come down off the mountaintop and get back into your normal life. Because then you're surrounded by all of the normal routines and habits and rituals and people and everything that kind of, you know, makes you who you are in the course of the day. And if you've gotten some insights while you were away, you have to figure out how to keep those insights going when you come back. And really for me, writing the book, which was never my intention, I, I never had a plan of writing a book about the experience. It just kind of ended up happening after I got back. That that writing of the book and then the telling of the story and the talks that I've given has really helped to kind of keep those those insights alive for me, because I think if I had not done that, if I had just come back and gotten right back into work and all the normal things that you do in a day, I think a, I think a lot of it would have been lost over time. I think yeah. it would have been hard to hang on, um, hang on to what I had gained. So the writing of the book was was not only to try to help and, and be of benefit to others um, who might get something by reading it, but it was also very helpful for me to kind of relive the experience and find a way to put things into words um, that I otherwise wouldn't have done. I had a smart friend of mine say, I used to live in Atlanta, and so I had a, a very diverse uh, friendship base, and um, a gentleman that I knew very well, he would always tell me, he would always say, you know, if somebody is bothering you, find out, you know, what they're doing, and if they were pushing your buttons, find out what buttons they're pushing and disconnect them. And that was such a simple way for him to put it. And but I did. It took a lot. Of, I took that and I really understood what he was saying, because what you were talking about in one of the chapters and then also in your talk and you were explaining how you are a planner by nature and that you wanted to be able to hit your mark and be able to be at the right place at the right time and be able to talk to your, your family at certain points of the journey, which would require, you know, each of the hostels or whatever they were called to be open and be what they were advertising themselves to be. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes things don't go as planned and in yourself, maybe, you know, the people who, you came upon that were not allowing you to do what you felt you needed to do. You know, I look at it as when I get discontent or if I get 
um, upset, then people are pushing my buttons and nobody else in this world should have control over how I feel or, or how I, my joy. And so I found that what you talked about, and I'd love for you to, and we have about two minutes left in this segment, but you know, how did you, um, overcome the, the spiritual calamity that you determined that you, you, when you got off of schedule? Well, I, I mean, I think I accepted that, that all of the planning, because that is my nature to be a planner and to have everything figured out well ahead of time and everything in its proper place and every, every, every possible contingency, you know, planned for, um, that's, that's my, you know, that's my normal tendency. So I, I think part of what I was actually trying to accomplish was to purposely let go of some of that and to just let things unfold the way they were going to unfold, even if that meant I'm now off my plan or I now have an adversity that I have to deal with, that that was all going to be part of the experience and that part of what I needed to do for myself was to be okay with that and, and kind of almost live in the moment. And it's, it's kind of, you know, um, that that's a kind of sounds kind of cheesy, you know, this idea of living in the moment, but it's actually, I think, quite hard for most of us to truly appreciate, you know, the moments as they come. And that was part of what I was trying to do for myself out there was get to that point where I was no longer attached to my plans and my outcomes and the way I was thinking things would be and just let, let the trail unfold day by day. It really is a very simple existence out there. You know, you get up and you start walking and eventually you stop walking and the next day you repeat the process. And if you, if you want it to be um, you know, very, very fluid and very kind of unplanned, it can be. And so I kind of picked a middle road. You know, I, I still had my plans and my destinations and my overall goal, but I also was trying to let every day unfold on its own. Yeah. And then, and like you mentioned, one of the chapters is there are no coincidences. And I believe that to be true. And what you experienced on your journey, there was many, many lessons that uh, came about. And uh, when we get back from our next break, I want to dive into a couple of other items, because really, when you think about what you've talked about, this could be applied pretty much to anything, anything in your life. It could be business, it could be personal, it could be a relationship with a family member, it could be your own relationship with your God, your understanding. And um, you might ask, what does this have to do with housing? And it has a lot to do with housing. It's a community. We all live in this place together and all roads lead to somewhere. And that's what Blaine is really talking about. So continue with us. We're going to be continuing with Blaine Ratta right here after these messages right here on The Housing Hour. in hour with kevin ray continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it again kevin ray welcome back welcome back into the housing hour again this is kevin ray thank you guys for joining us we have blaine ratta with us and um, he has really been a great source of inspiration uh, definitely for mark and i and our branch managers at mortgage investors group when we had our conference um, last month, he was able to come in and share this experience with him, and we're sharing it with you. He's written a book from Sore Souls to a Soaring Soul, and it can be found on Amazon and other places. And just to point out, all the proceeds from this sale of the book, all the profits are going to be donated to uh, charities that support the Camino, which is the pilgrimage that he took. 
Um, so we were joining back with Blaine and, and Mark, you had a question. I did. Blaine, you mentioned uh, to, to live in the moment. And, and I know that you had this perception of how you were going to be your mental, mental state. You know, you probably had a plan when you walked through this and you touched on some of this. But what is the, the biggest thing that you learned about your inner self when you hit that second day through the I, I'm sure the first day, you know, didn't change you much. But I know that there's a process that you went through all the way through. But what was the number one biggest takeaway that you found yourself in internally, you know, questioning yourself? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, ho well, hopefully my answer will will address your question, and if not, feel free to just say it in a in, a, in another way that I might understand. But um, I I think that uh, probably the greatest learning for me, and it, and and it's in in one respect, it's hard for me to pick one, and and even even picking what to put in the book was quite challenging because I I probably could have said much more and talked you know m made it longer, but I was trying to you know, be concise and make it something that would be very easy for people to just sit down and read within a few hours. Um, I felt like the greatest benefit that I got in the experience overall was what I describe as the opening of my heart. And I had not, I had not even realized that it, um, that it needed to be opened. <laughs> I didn't know that it was closed. And, and, and I, I, I want to explain exactly what that felt like for me. So um, what I was what I was experiencing during that journey was um, the emotions and the feelings and even the thoughts um, you know that I would have about things like a, a simple thought like that we're all connected you know and that we're all in a, in a way related to one another um, sounds kind of very simple and easy to understand on an intellectual level but I was actually feeling and understanding what a simple phrase like that truly meant at a much deeper level and even emotionally. And I don't, I don't tend to be a very emotive person. You know, some people would probably even wonder sometimes if I have a pulse, you know, <laughs> because I'm hard to read, you know, I'm, I'm I, they can't gauge my emotions very readily when they're near me. Even my emotional state was, was very raw and I was, uh, you know, crying every day and it wasn't necessarily crying, out of sadness and it wasn't you know necessarily sobbing but you know tears coming to my eyes you know for a wide variety of reasons so feeling emotions and feelings and understanding things at a level that i had never experienced before i'm describing all of that as you know it felt as if my heart was truly just kind of opening up and even though i knew that coming back home and kind of getting back into my normal life would probably tend to close it up a little bit you know because i think we we live our lives probably a little more closed you know than than open um, I knew that now that it had been cracked open, so to speak, you know, I kind of like the, the lid on the jar, you know, that you first buy at the store and you, it's got that seal that you have to you know, break open to get the lid off. Now that that lid's been opened, uh, that jar has been opened, it opens up a lot easier the next time. And so I still feel like that's a, that's a big part of how I've changed since coming back is that I'm still feeling feelings and emotions at a much deeper level than I did before I went on the journey um, and that's been a really cool thing for me. I didn't even expect that that would happen. It wasn't a thing I was looking to have happen. But uh, there's a phrase that, that is often said on the Camino that it may, um, that it will give you what you need, but it may not be what you're looking for.
Oh yeah. And so that's, like that. that to me, that to me is an example of what happened. It, it gave me something that I needed that I wasn't necessarily, you know, thinking I needed. So that's a great, that's a great line right there. I like that. I like that saying, um, one of the things I took away from your talk was, uh, you think, I'm not sure that you said it exactly like this, but you said, uh, pain is mandatory, but suffering is optional, I think is what you said. And I, I took away yeah. from that, that pain, yeah. you have hurt feet or you have maybe in a real life situation, you have hurt feelings or you have a situation where, you know, life is hard sometimes and, and life will throw things at you and it's not always great. Those are circumstances, but you don't have to suffer as a result of it. You're going to go through some trials and tribulations, but you don't have to just stew and suffer in it. And I love that. And you, you I think you learned that while you were there, didn't you? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, I dealt with some physical pain that I was not expecting. Um, I was actually very disappointed in my body for, for, for how it was responding to this. Um, because I as, as I said, I've, 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 I've pushed it before, you know, I've pushed it very hard and I, I know, I know how to read my body and I know how it normally responds to being pushed. Um, but it was, it was not responding <clears throat> favorably, uh, especially my feet. I dealt with blisters pretty much the entire month. Um, which is not everybody's experience. You know, some people, some people don't get a single blister and other people deal with a lot of blisters. And the pain of that in the beginning was not only a distraction to me, but it was frustrating. And I would see people walking with ease and, and be a little upset as to why, why am I struggling? You know, why do I have to struggle? Why am I, why am I having to walk so slow because of this pain and other people seem to be enjoying themselves and, and wh how would this experience be different if I wasn't dealing with this pain? And I was focusing on kind of the, the negative and the, the impact on me. And it took a while to turn the corner, but the corner that I eventually turned was to realize that, you know, this, this whole experience was very much a microcosm of what life is and that there is pain and discomfort in life. And we all have it in various degrees and you just need to not let it define you. You know, you need to find a way to deal with the pain, but not suffer through it. And, and once I came to that realization, I kind of made peace with the pain and it was still there and I still had it the entire time, but I no longer was letting it kind of define my experience. And I was no longer uh, having all those negative feelings around the pain. It just kind of was what it was. My experience was going to involve that kind of discomfort, and, and there was nothing really I could do about it. So I, I kind of pushed it aside and didn't let it dominate my thoughts. You were walking a marathon per day approximately, so I can see where your feet could suffer from that. Absolutely, yeah. And by the way, most people don't do that much. I mean, most... The, the, right. the, the guidance that the, you know, the experts that write the books, there's lots of guidebooks on more of the logistical technical aspects of doing this journey. Um, and I certainly, uh, read several of those before I left, but the experts will pretty much tell you that walking, you know, maybe 12, uh, 13 miles a day, you know, is, is more reasonable. Now, of course, that means it's going to take you probably 40 days to do the whole thing, um, and so I didn't have that amount of time. And so I was, I was walking a lot more every day than most people would. And I'm sure that affected the experience as well. Because when I looked at people who were just doing, 
kind of more the traditional, you know, 10 to 15 miles a day, they looked a lot better. You know, they, they looked like, uh, they looked like they still had spring in their step every day, you know, and, and, uh, whereas I was, I was really, it was, it was definitely more grueling for me, but that's what I signed up for. I right. mean, I knew that going in that, that that's what it was going to be for me. If I were to do it again, I would probably rather do it the more casual way and take my time and enjoy just the experience as opposed to kind of, uh, pressing through it, so to speak. But, you know, it, it, I knew exactly what it was going to be. I, I didn't know, of course, how I was going to respond to it, but I knew exactly what I was signing up for. So uh, I never recommend that people do it the way that I did it. But uh, for me, that's, you know, it was fine. That was my way. Is there much elevation change in your walk? In Tennessee, if you walk 13 miles, you're going up and down. That's right. Yeah, in fact, there's another expression on the Camino that if you're not going up, you're going the wrong way. Um, so <laughs> That's funny. Uh, they're, they're a lot, yeah, and of course, I'm a, I'm a flatlander. I've spent most of my life in the Midwest uh, where, you know, a speed bump in the parking lot is about as, as steep as we go. So uh, I was not prepared for that either. There was really no way for me to train uh, for the ups and downs. And as you all know, you know, in, in places where there's a lot of elevation changes, the down, you know, the descent can actually be harder on your body than the up, especially on your knees. Yeah. Um, yeah, every, every day felt like it was its own, uh, its own marathon, so to speak. And, and it was always a lot of elevation change. Usually by, by 10 in the morning, every day, I was already in a full blown sweat. You know, I was already, <laughs> Um, it already felt like I'd given a whole day's worth of effort. Yeah. Well, that's so amazing. And we, we are going to continue this conversation. We're coming to another break. I tell you, the people out there that are listening, if you want to get more information, we're going to link on our website. There is, uh, and I guess the one that we looked at, and you may have a better one, uh, Blaine, but we looked, I looked at the um, Santiago uh, hyphen, I can't even pronounce it, but it's, is there a specific site that people might go to? that were interested in a journey like this, the pilgrimage? Well, I mean, the book is available pretty much wherever people would get their books. I mean, Amazon, of course, is probably where most people would, would readily find it. If they just did a search either for mm-hmm. my name or the book title, they would come to it. Yeah. Um, it's I was also, really, um, yeah, I was thinking about yeah. like Wikipedia. I, I looked on there so we can look at more. I wanted to give them a site to where they could say, okay, I've read the book. I've looked at his journey. Now I want to see, you know, cause there's different ways that you can go and we're coming up on a break. We can talk more about this in a minute, but we are right here getting ready to come into our last segment here. And we have Blaine with us talking about this incredible journey that he's had guys stick around with us. We'll be right back after these messages. The housing hour with Kevin Ray continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray with co-host Mark Griffith, executive producer. Don't forget this show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, uh, MIGonline.com. You can find out more information. And we thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great uh, time we are spending with Blaine and um, very interesting information. Just not just interesting, but profound in a lot of ways. Um, this is something I'm not ready for this, this pilgrimage, uh, you know, when you spoke about it and I listened intently and I talked to Pam about it, my wife and, um, you know, for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I, I don't know that I could make this journey and it, and it could be a combination of physical, um, but also where I am spiritually and, and other things. And that, that doesn't mean that a good thing, it just means it's 
doesn't feel right because I love to challenge myself also, but I also understand that, you know, you don't just do things like this just out, out of the blue and not have some reason, like real reason, like almost, almost like it is, um, a, a, a divine like destination in a sense. And, um, when, when you went about getting this all set up, I mean, what's the conversation like with your wife when you go to her? Of course, you know, she had probably seen the movie at the same time I did and, and was also, I think, intrigued by the idea. And we had probably discussed it, you know, briefly over the years as, you know, boy, this is just kind of an interesting idea. It's a neat idea. Um, but it's interesting. She has a different recollection of how this all came together than I do, which is often the case with us. You know, I have one version of how things played out, and she probably has the truer version of how things actually came together. Um, I think I just got really inspired at a, at a particular point in time and and dove into the research of when could I actually carve a month out of my life and what would it cost to get to Spain and 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 just spent probably a couple I'm imagining I spent a couple days on a weekend just completely immersed in making this decision of am I going to go or am I not going to go you know let's do this thing mm-hmm. and after after doing all of that I think I basically just went to my wife and said you know if you're not opposed. I, I'm going to do this thing, and these are the dates I've already picked that I could do it. <laughs> and so she probably, you know, in her way, she's always very supportive of all the things that I do. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't probably as much of a conversation as it probably should have been because it is a big deal to 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 leave your family and disconnect like that uh, for a month uh, is 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 a big hardship on everybody, not just the not just the pilgrim that's walking across Spain. Hey Blaine, let, let me ask you something. Uh, in the book. Uh, there's a chapter named Santiago is not the end. And I, I know Kevin was probably going to jump on this too. Sure. But uh, the question I have is in there, you mentioned at the end, you, you you know, a lot of people go into the cathedrals and they, they take mass and that signifies the end of the pilgrim pilgrimage. But you decided not to go in. And I want you to explain to everybody why you decided not to go in and what that decision really means to you. Well, you know, I I had anticipated this arrival into Santiago as as being, you know, the end of the journey and um I was also aware that there was an additional 50 miles that some people choose to walk that literally takes them to the ocean, you know, to what people would have considered long ago to be the end of the world. And um it's not kind of technically the, you know, the the pilgrimage ends at the cathedral where the remains of St. James are. Um, but this extra 50 miles that takes you to the ocean is a, is a thing that some people do. And I knew that that was a thing, but I, it wasn't part of my plan. Um, as hard as this was, I, I actually gained time on my plan. And so as I got closer to Santiago, I realized I was actually ahead of schedule. And it opened up the possibility for me that I could also continue this additional 50 miles and go to the ocean. So when I got to Santiago, it was early in the morning, actually, because I had started walking literally in the middle of the night uh, for a wide variety of reasons that, you know, you'll, you'll learn about if you read the book. Um, but I got to Santiago in the morning and, and just decided rather than have that be the conclusion, I was going to, you know, not, not visit the cathedral and just continue on to the ocean and, and add that extra couple of days to the journey. And then I came back to Santiago and and kind of had the traditional uh, time you know at the cathedral and experienced the pilgrim's mass and 
Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was one of those times when it, it, as again, I look back on my life, this has happened many times where there is a particular destination, what you believe is the end point or the goal. And then you realize as you get closer to it, that there's actually something beyond it. And I, so I wanted to push myself, you know, as if I hadn't pushed myself enough, I wanted to push myself to get beyond what the original goal was. Um, and I'm really, of course, I'm really glad that I did that reaching the ocean and kind of taking in the enormity of what I had done, uh, was, was overwhelming. And I, I'm really glad I was able to do that. Now, did you walk back once you reached the ocean or did you take Uber? <laughs> you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do walk back, but I didn't Whoa. have that, that time. So, I mean, I had, I had the couple of days to get to the ocean, but I didn't have another couple of days to get back. So I, I did actually take a bus ride back to Santiago. It was the first time I was on any form of transportation except my feet for a month. And it was probably the most miserable time of the entire <laughs> month that I was away was that wow. bus ride back to Santiago. Cause I literally just wanted to get off the bus and keep walking. I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for kind of getting back into modern life just yet. Wow. That's interesting. And I have just a random question, but, and I, I want to think about what this would be like, but there's not a lot of noise pollution. I don't assume at some of these stages, uh, not noise pollution, but light pollution, um, was, was there nights where it was very clear and you could see into the heavens? Absolutely. Um, the days were fairly long, uh, you know, which was, which was helpful. And I, I, I wasn't in the dark usually at the end of the day, but I was often in the dark in the morning. I would leave early enough that it was mm. still dark. And, and as the days were getting shorter, you know, as the, as the trip progressed, this was fall time. Um, there were mornings near the end where I would spend, you know, a few hours walking in the darkness, uh, often alone, you know, on, on, uh, you know, trails through the woods, um, which is actually not something that's unusual for me because I often get up to run early in the morning and, and it is dark and I often run in forest preserves and other natural settings. So mm -hmm. that experience of kind of being in nature in the dark, uh, was something I was familiar with, but mm -hmm. the, but it's still kind of awe-inspiring, you know, mm -hmm. to, to see what you see when the rest of the world is asleep um, and to, you know, to be traveling by moonlight or to be able to look up at the stars in the sky that you don't often see when you're in a city. Uh, yeah, absolutely spectacular. Now, some of the lessons that you learned, and this would be something I would definitely say on any kind of uh, journey that I've been on when I was training for my half marathon and then the next year for my full marathon and then my third year, I did an, an, um, another marathon. Um, and the lessons that I learned during those times, I don't, I don't share all of those lessons with people because they're very personal. And there's things I experienced mm -hmm. during my journey that it's just not for public um, disposal or not for public consumption. Um, do you have those type? I mean, obviously, we don't want you to share those. But do you have those moments that you've had that you had? You know, I, I would say looking back, that had probably been my tendency to kind of always keep a little bit to myself. But, mm -hmm. you know, as, as I said earlier, with, with this feeling of my heart opening up, it, it, I really feel like what I've put into that book, um, it, I, of course, it's very vulnerable and it's, it's, uh, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I feel like, I don't feel like I've held anything back. I don't feel like I've, I've kept some things to myself or I haven't disclosed some things about myself. In fact, the, the moment I, I told the publisher 
you know, basically press go, you know, like let, let's put this thing out into the world. I will admit that even as someone who's a professional speaker and is used to being in front of groups and sharing information, the moment that I was basically saying, okay, let's put this thing out there to the world, it was, it was, um, it was intimidating. It felt, I, I was almost felt this discomfort about, do you really, do you really want to do this? Do you, do you really yeah. want to, you know, just knowing that, that, that I'm disclosing things about myself that people who've known me for years, you know, wouldn't know. Um, and then of course, just knowing that it's going to, it's going to land differently for different people and that there'll be, there'll be critics, you know, and there'll be people that'll probably have, you know, something negative to say about something that I said, or mm. just knowing that that's the way the world is. Yeah. Um, it did give me a moment of pause to think, do I, do I really want to do that? But it felt like this was what needed to be done. This yeah. was part of my Camino experience was taking all of these things and putting them into words and then pushing them out there for the benefit of, you know, however it could benefit other people. So I, I, I don't feel like there's really anything that I haven't, haven't disclosed. Yeah. So, so do you, if you had it to do over again, well, let me ask you this way. We only have about 30 seconds, but when you were a couple of hundred miles in, did you ever think in your mind that maybe this was a mistake? Uh, no, no. I mean, when I commit to something, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm usually all in. Um, yeah. I certainly was, was surprised at how difficult and challenging it was yeah. and how ill-prepared I might've been in some <laughs> respects, but yeah. no, I don't think I ever had a thought that I'd made the wrong choice. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause I think everybody thinks in the middle of their journey, that's one reason they don't start is because they don't think they can make it through. And the fact is we are so resilient and people are so resilient and that's one of the things I think that I take away from this is just learning from you what you were able to accomplish. And you're just a man. And and so am I. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Blaine. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. It's been my privilege. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks again for a great show. And we appreciate it. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.